Hello and welcome to another episode of TaylorMade. I am your host, Edward V, and joining me, as always, for these things, is Taylor. Hi, how are you? Are you speaking to the audience or to me? I guess to you. I'm alright, you know, chilling. Anyway, today we will be talking about four movies that were directed by Denis Villeneuve. Because he'll be directing the Dune movie that is slated to come out next year. And Taylor is a big fan of Dune, so I figured I'd have her watch uh, some of the movies that he's directed to see if she thinks he would do a good job with the adaptation. We will be talking about Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, Sicario, and Prisoners. All right, so we're going to start with Toy Story 4. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound right. Oh, wait. That's the wrong doc. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, Blade Runner 2049. Because I know you like that one the most, we're not doing that one first. We're going to do Prisoners first, because that's the one that I hadn't watched until we did these. So, Prisoners, uh, that's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Huge Jackman. Uh, I'm going to put it up on IMDb here and read the uh, plot synopsis for it. Not the plot, plot summary or whatever, so that we can have um, a little background information for those... uh, those people that don't know what this movie is about. And for some reason, IMDb is pulling up Prison Break instead of this movie. I'm like, come on, man, cooperate with me here. Okay, so, the plot summary for Prisoners is, when Keller Dover's daughter and her friend go missing, he takes matters into his own hands as the police pursue multiple leads and the pressure mounts. So yeah, that's what that movie's about. Um, I like the movie. You didn't like the movie. Speaking to the mic. So, I thought the movie really well encapsulated how people feel whenever their kid is abducted. It just didn't do anything for me as a movie because when I go to watch movies, I don't go to watch movies to get stressed out. I sometimes watch movies to get scared. And a lot of times I watch movies for the storyline, but I don't watch movies to get stressed out. So I think that's why I didn't like this movie quite as much. Mm-hmm. But it was a good movie. It's just not for me. I guess I can understand that. Not everybody is into that sort of thing. And it's also not just, like, stressful movies. I also can't do, like, thrillers where, like, you know, everybody's going to survive at the end, hopefully. But, like, you're, like, worried about them the entire time. Can't do those either. I really like this movie. I think the performances from Jake Gyllenhaal and Huge Jackman were really good. Um, oh, maybe Hugh Jackman was doing a little bit, a little bit too much. Like, he was yelling, and he was just, he was really, really on 11, and that kind of got a little tiring after a while, but I still think he, he, I, I think the performances were really good. Um, like, this is one of those performances from Jake Gyllenhaal that kind of makes you see how how good of an actor he really is like because I hadn't really he wasn't really on my radar like I had seen him in stuff but he wasn't really on my radar until I saw Nightcrawler and I, I don't think you've seen that movie um man my computer's like wigging out because I got too much going on over here <laughs> um but this is like just his, his the little uh like the way he ex- he, he blinked exaggerated his blinking was very exaggerated in this movie. That's uh, yeah, his nervous tick. Yeah, just just the small things that he added to the character, it just kind of it, it was really it, it was really cool for me. I, so I I enjoyed his performance. I enjoyed Huge Jackman's performance, and um, I enjoyed the movie as a whole, the story, and the way it ended. Well, okay, the way that it ended, I was a little upset by, because I didn't like that. It just kind of ended like that i mean i guess it you can kind of assume what happened but i thought that was weak 
I mean, not weak, but just like, man. Because sometimes I just I want that resolution at the end of my movie. And other times it's just like, okay, yeah, just leave it up to interpretation. Did they kind of leave the top spinning there? We're not going to talk about Inception. <laughs> so we're not going to go through all of the questions like we do for all of these movies here because I still have all this stuff in, in here in the doc. But I guess you've already talked a little bit about how the movie made you feel and you didn't really like how it made you feel. Um, I guess you didn't really have any expectations going into it. Um, just the world of the film work like the real world i guess you kind of already said that yeah it really does it was very i think it was very realistic to how i mean definitely i really thought that was true too how would you describe the main characters what are their goals what problems do they face wow okay so like that's a really easy question so like hugh jackman definitely wants his kid back and then jake gyllenhaal definitely wants to catch the bad guy and that's just that's just it that's all of it but like yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do I have to get more into it than that? Jake Gyllenhaal is playing like a detective or cop or whatever, and huge jacked man is um, just a father who's lost his kid. Daughter was kidnapped, and he's trying to deal with that and help trying to uh, find his daughter. And as a lot of people do in these kind of things, they feel like the police aren't doing enough. And it's just like, as time passes, like, why haven't you found her yet? You, you, are you even doing your job? Do your job. Like, I'm, he kind of starts taking things into his own hands. And yeah, his methods are extreme. Yeah. I was like kind of covering my face in some parts because it was just so, he was doing so much. Yeah. And then he was like roping his neighbor and stuff. Cause I, uh, well, not his neighbor, his friend, because his daughter also got his friend's daughter played by um terrence howard his daughter was also kidnapped and uh terrence howard's like yeah man i'm leaving it up to the police because that's their job but huge jacked man was like nah man i gotta do this thing and and terrence howard was like man what was his background in the movie was like he former military or something i don't even remember because they got into like really like torturous like I don't know. It was pretty extreme. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember, actually. Maybe there's uh, more here in the uh, in the notes for the movie. Because wasn't he also, like, a basement prepper? Like, wasn't his basement... Oh, basement, he like- was a... a um, uh, not construction worker. Architect. He, he fixed homes and stuff. Like, uh... Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you could go from architect to, like, expert torturer in that much time. I wouldn't say that it was Do you think whenever he's an architect, he, like, thinks, hmm, this would be great for torturing somebody? Like, just, like, working, like, normally? Mm, I mean, some people do think like that. Wow, you're right. I know. That's why I said it. Uh, I can't really find anything more on this character here without like just having a bunch of dead air. So, was it from a book? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe who knows? I don't know. I'm not seeing it jump right out at me here, so I don't. I don't think so. But I don't remember them saying inspired by such and such and such and such at the beginning of the movie. So. Well, in my head, I'm saying he's former military. He has to be. He doesn't have to be. He'd just be going off methods that he think uh, that he thinks is good. I mean, maybe he watches too much crime TV. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. But yeah, I mean that's that's prisoners. But I guess basically to answer the question for this movie in particular, because we do have three other movies to get to, and I feel like you have more to say about some of these other movies. Um, do you think from this movie? How do you think? Uh, Comparing it to the source material of Dune, do you think uh, Denis Villeneuve could handle such a such a task as adapting the first Dune novel to uh, to the big screen? Um, from this movie, no, because they're so different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all. I mean, that's just all that I really have to say about this part in particular. Like, there's other movies that he's done that I definitely think, man, he could do Dune, but not this one. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Cool, cool. Well, seeing as this was my first time, you know, watching the movie, I enjoyed it. I don't. I mean, I already, I already feel like when they announced that uh, he was going to be doing the movie, it's like I already, already felt like he would do a good job with it. So this is mainly for, uh, for your point of view here. But I enjoyed Prisoners. I'm, I'm glad that uh, this, this uh, event here came along for me to, this opportunity, excuse me came along for me to be able to watch this movie because I don't know that I would have watched it otherwise because it just wasn't like the cover of the movie looks incredibly boring like there's not much to it it's just Hugh Jackman's head and Jake Gyllenhaal's head and it just says prisoners in between their heads and everybody else's everybody else in the movie uh, has their name on the cover and just like all right well for some people who are fans of them that's all they really need I suppose yeah but you know, I need you to give me a little bit more information because reading the title, I had no idea this was going to be a kidnapping movie. I thought this was going to have to do with a prison, but it, I guess it was in some form or fashion. Um, like the, the whole deeper meanings of it all. Um, but just looking at it, I had, I had no idea. So anyway, on to the next movie, Blade Runner Sicario is the next movie that we're going to be doing and uh i had started sicario like last year or something like that and i got maybe halfway through it or not even halfway through it and didn't finish because it's like a two-hour movie and i think i did some i was just like oh right i think i'm going to come back to this later um but i finished it uh and i also watched the second one for another podcast episode that has already come out by this point so um The plot summary for Sicario is an idealistic FBI agent is enlisted by a government task force to aid in the escalating war against drugs at the border area between U.S. between the U.S. and Mexico. This is really interesting that they make uh, plot summaries so vague. I mean, sure, yeah, but a lot of times I'll read a plot summary and then after having seen the movie, it's like, wow, that plot summary has nothing to do with the movie. That is so weird. I mean, because, yeah, the drugs is part of what's going on in this movie, but you only really see drugs at the end of the movie. But to get more into it would probably spoil some of the movie. Like, they don't say, deceived into doing such, such, and such, because it's like, wow, that's like giving stuff away. I suppose, yeah. You hate that about trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But trailers is different because it's actually showing you stuff in the movie. But if you're looking it up, then you want to know more probably usually yeah i mean if a i guess it's summarizing a plot but like give me a little bit of you know stuff that's actually happening in the movie i guess i don't know don't give me a plot summary that's just like yeah uh this movie has three main characters and they're gonna go do a thing and i'm just like oh okay wow that sounds really interesting let me watch this movie no but anyway that's beside the point um Sicario. Man, that sounds like garbage. Ugh. Um How did the film make you feel? It made me feel really thirsty because everything is deserts. <clears throat> deserts and sand and stuff and it like I'm thirsty right now. It's just like it made me feel cuz it's summertime too when we watched it. But mm. also too like the story was really interesting and everything, and it was, like, really compelling, and it made me want to, like, see it through to the end. So I guess I really liked it. It made me feel, like, interested. hmm mm-hmm. But also terrified. Why? Because the main character is, like, basically being, like... She doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. She barely knows what's going on. Being Emily Blunt is the main character. I guess I should kind of say who else is in this movie. It's yeah. Emily Blunt... Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin as the three uh, main characters, and you were referring to Emily Blunt's character. Yeah, she just gets the beat out of her the whole time. Wow, now I'm going to have to put the dolphins in. Sorry. (sighs) Making my editing job more difficult. But, I I mean, I'm trying to uh, remember this movie specifically over the second movie because the second one was just so... mm. Do you want to tell you all the time she got beat up? Sure. Okay, so it was really only twice. So, the first time was whenever she took that guy home from the bar. 
and they were like she realized what he was doing and then so she tried to grab for her gun and then so he starts trying to strangle her to death oh the punisher yeah gotcha so then the second time she doesn't really get beaten but uh she they don't she doesn't know what's going on nobody tells her what's going on so she ends up in a place that she's not supposed to be so she pulls her gun and she gets shot through her kevlar to be fair but like that doesn't feel good and then a few minutes later she it's just she gets I don't know. She gets knocked around the whole time because she's like, I don't know what's happening and I'm doing my best to figure out what's happening. But then everybody's like punching me anyway. I don't know. You see what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I understand that she kind of got roped into it because they needed her there as as a formality. Yeah. Basically to say that they have the approval to do what they need to do in order to get this stuff done, which is messed up, but I'm pretty sure things like that actually happen in the government and military and stuff like that anyway, so it is what it is, I guess. Uh, to what extent did it fit your expectations? I guess you didn't have any expectations. I really didn't have any expectations. Either. It was good. I liked it. What caused it? Mm, does the world of the film feel like real world? If not, what are the differences? It felt really realistic to how I imagine stuff happening, like, in places where you don't ever, like, you're not supposed to know stuff is happening. Mm. So, it really fits, like, my paranoia part of my world. So, I mean, I feel like it's accurate to how life works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, like, seedy and, like, things that ha- like things that happen that get covered up and, like, things that get redacted and things like that. Like, that's how I really imagine it. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? <laughs> nah, it's all fake. We live in a perfect, beautiful world where there's no crime or anything, and this movie was all fiction. Yep. Get all the way out of here. <laughs> nah, it was, it was, uh, uh, hmm. Yep. That's what it was. That's what it was. Hmm. I don't... There are literally no words coming to me about this movie right now. (laughs) It's really not a movie that you have to, like, really think hard about, though. Because it's, like... A lot of stuff just kind of happening. It's just happening. Like, there's no, like, deeper meaning to it. It's just, like, this is what happens. This is how it happens. These are the bad things that happen. Here you go. Basically. That's that's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does the film end? Is everything resolved? Nothing is resolved. Everything is bad. She has a bad life, and she's paranoid about everything all of the time now. Hmm. Emily Blunt, I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good thing she has Jack Ryan to back her up. That's who John Krasinski is playing now. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, it's interesting because the movie, the second movie picks up and there's not really any resolution like in that movie either. Like the second movie picks up and there's no like I guess it kind of picks up from the end of this movie, but like kind of not really. And then the second movie ends and it's just over as well. Like there's no resolution at the end of that movie either. So I really didn't like the second movie that much. Um Hey, we're not talking about the second movie. I know. I know. I just I'm, that's that's the freshest one in my head right now. Uh, so, do you think? Uh, do you think Denis Villeneuve has the like in this movie? I guess we haven't really talked about visuals or anything because that's that's his big thing. He does. He he shoots. He he has. He shoots very well. Like. Because we'll get more into uh, the way he, he uses the he he has the camera moved around and stuff in uh, Arrival and Blade Runner, because it's really prominent in those two movies. All right, so I will say this is kind of something that I said in uh, the Sicario Two review that I did. Um, I could tell the difference between the two directors, and specifically because Denis Villeneuve shoots things very wide, um, like he pulls the camera back, and you get 
wide landscape shots and everything is shot really beautifully and then also like there are a lot of drone shots that are supposed to be taking place as helicopter shots whereas in the second movie they actually show the helicopters and everything is really tight and close and stuff like that so in in this in you know using the visuals and stuff from this movie um how are you feeling because dune is uh very is very deserty and a lot of sand so what are you thinking uh, oh i think it's gonna be really good i think i'm gonna be thirsty the whole time and i think i think it's gonna be great because like a lot of dune is like a lot of walking in the desert and like a lot of like desolate places i think right. it's gonna be good. big worms big giant worms how are they gonna do the worms i'm, I'm curious about that anyway i think it's gonna be good i think it's gonna be really good but I hope that it's a little bit more. Because whenever I was watching Sicario, everything was as it is. Like, everything was very, like, sharp and, like, normal. Con- like, just everything was, like, super sharp. And, like, I hope it's more like Blade Runner, where things are more, like, just the way it's edited and the way it's filmed. Every All the colors look a little bit richer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Those are things that I like about some of the shots in, like, Blade Runner. And, uh, I hope it's a little bit more like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Excellent. I guess we'll move on to Arrival now, because that's the one with the, that has a lot more of greenery and and stuff like that in it. Um, so how did you like Arrival? I loved Arrival. I thought everything about Arrival was great. I don't have any complaints about Arrival at all. Except... That's where you're supposed to fill in your complaints while I'm typing up the information to pull up the movie here. Oh, um... Wow, do you even podcast? Jeez. What's a podcast? So the plot summary for Arrival. A linguist works with the military to communicate with alien life forms after 12 mysterious spacecraft appear around the world. The movie obviously was directed by Denis Villeneuve and stars... Predominantly Amy Adams and Jerry, uh, Jeremy Renner, but Forrest Whitaker and some other people are in there as well. But the main focuses are Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. By this point, I'm pretty sure anybody that's listening to this has probably seen Arrival, but maybe not. I mean, you know. Um, so, yeah, what were you saying? Oh, about how much I liked it? Sure. I thought it was interesting, um, because the whole time, whenever you were watching it, you... I thought the story was really cool, but the whole time you're watching it, you know how you're watching, like, something and people keep having flashbacks to horrible things that have happened? So that basically happens in this movie, but because of things that happen inside of the, like, in the movie, you realize that it's stuff that has yet to happen, and I thought that was really interesting. I, it just really blew my, like, I never thought about anything happening that way before. It was really neat. It was really cool. Yeah. The, the way that the movie unfolds, you think, as as you're watching the movie, you're thinking that you're watching flashbacks and stuff that's already happening, the way that everything is framed, you think she's remembering things that have happened, but as you progress through the movie and kind of and get closer to the end, you start to realize that time is a construct, and it doesn't work that the way you think it works, and blah, 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 and, you know, she's actually having flashes of things to come, she's having future flashes, and, um... I think just the way that it was filmed and the way it was edited and constructed, it just it it worked really well, and it's it's a it's a really good movie. It had really strong performances in it, but I I come to expect that of Amy Adams at this point. She's usually pretty good in anything that I see her in. So, um, but the cinematography was uh was pretty spot on. It was really it's really great. They were wide, long shots of the ship and just the greenery and the pasture or whatever that the ship landed in not landed I guess technically because it was still hovering but you know that it docked or whatever you want to call it the the place that the ship was at it was really 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 pretty and uh I think that's a staple of uh Denise directing style at this point um do you have anything more to add to that? Yeah, actually. So, it like the way it was filmed, 
like the camera lingers on things it's supposed to linger on because those are things that you want to look at for longer anyway like as a viewer of anything like you're probably going to look at that more than you're going to look at other things but also the way it was filmed there were some shots and there were some scenes where like it's supposed to convey anxiety and like how the character main character is feeling like the parts where she's being like put in the hazmat suit and take it out of the hazmat suit and she's really freaking out about it um you feel freaked out because of the way it's filmed and because of how like how quick everything is shot so that was really cool too yeah, and also, um, he's also, he also has a, um, a Wes Anderson-esque kind of thing going with his scores for his movie in, in that he uses sound very well, like the lack thereof, or turning it really high up, or, you know, just really eerie, like, ringing noises, or vibrate, like, he just, the way he does sound in his movies, it just, it also helps you to put yourself in that mood or that situation and help you feel what that person is feeling or if there's like a lack of sound it helps you it like raises the the anxious the anxiety that you might be feeling in that moment or the tension that you might be feeling or it just it, it does like it does very well he does very well in that as well um and honestly I don't know how much of that is attributed to him specifically but it is something that I've noticed in a lot of stuff that he's uh a lot of stuff that he's done at this point, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool to start to realize certain director specific styles, which is something that I've mentioned in a prior podcast. So I'm not going to get in in depth with that here, but, um, what else have we got here to talk about? Um, what causes major turning points in the narrative to come? Mm, does the world of the film work like the real world if not what are the differences there's aliens in this world yeah like the real world like i said (laughs) but the earth is flat that's what you told me yeah obviously (laughs) flat earther for life shut up stop (laughs) please stop (laughs) how does the film end is everything resolved yeah, I think everything resolves pretty well. It's just the interesting study of knowing the future and knowing how things are going to turn out, knowing how things are going to end. Do you still make the same decisions or do you try to change them? And what if you try to change them and things don't go the way that they, you know, that, that you originally saw them going? It's just that whole that whole study, that whole thing is, is interesting. I really liked... So there's parts of it that, like you go back to where she's experienced like she's having flashbacks of like horrible memories and everything like that but she's also having flashbacks of like really wonderful memories of having her daughter and every amy adams's daughter and everything and like i think it's really fascinating i think it's really like interesting because even though she knows something horrible is going to happen she decides to do it anyway because the high points are worth having despite that and i think that was really beautiful yeah I guess that's the whole point of it, like, because she knows, even though she knows things, bad things are going to happen, she still decides to do it because, one, she wouldn't have the information that she needed if she decided otherwise, you know, in this moment to stop them from blowing up the ships or, like, stopping the Chinese from, like, attacking and stuff like that, and also the fact that she has, you know, memories or flash-forwards of good times with her daughter and stuff like that and just it's it's uh it's an interesting uh character study and i think it was i think it was well done it's well executed i've seen arrival a few times now actually so i quite enjoy that movie as well um i'm not sure if there's anything else that i want to touch on here Did well you have- really quick like i've been thinking about this for a really long time i think it's so deceptive and interesting how the director plays on people's notions of like how people act because in that opening scene where she's like I think there was a flashback and then the scene opens where she's just laying on her couch in her living room and like you think oh she's depressed because something really terrible like it's just you think something specific but that's not necessarily being represented but because of the way it's presented to you 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 automatically make those assumptions Mm -hmm. and then you find out that all of that's wrong I just thought that was really fun yeah the uh the the, the movie doesn't present itself to you like you're dumb. Like, it leaves everything to be interpreted 
by you it leaves all the questions that may come up or anything like it, it's very much they shoot he, the way things are shot the way things are ordered it's like it's expecting you to be smart enough to understand what's going to happen like it it very it very much lets you it lets your mind go places and and lets you think one thing is going to happen and then you know it lets you kind of put the pieces together as the movie is going along it it, it doesn't treat you like you're stupid which is uh which is always nice cuz i hate when movies that are just like here's the thing cuz i know you're not going to get it yeah you know that sort of that sort of thing um anything else here you want to talk about arrival all right so i guess that's it no more podcast you need to stop you need to you need to be stopped but we need to continue this podcast because there's something else really important that we need to talk about and it's blade runner what's that i don't think that's on the docket here the first one from the 80s or whatever right Okay, but I was talking to my friend about how I saw Blade Runner, and I know that he really likes films in general. So he was like, Taylor, you're going to disappoint me, but did you see the first one? I told him no, and he was like, that's devastating. Because apparently from him watching the first one, there's a lot of stuff that you, like, it's apparently I missed out on a lot not seeing the first one before the before this one, this most recent one, so. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you have more to say about it? Um. I haven't seen all of the first one. I tried to watch it um, because at this point it's become a cult classic and everybody's like, oh, it's actually really good, even though it wasn't really received that well back when it came out um, because it's just so obscure that it's a little and there's so much story and plot and stuff. Uh, it's It was just a little hard to keep up with. It was a little hard to follow when I started watching it. And then it's, I don't know, the effects are just kind of like, ugh. Which isn't always something that bothers me, but in that movie specifically, it was just like, ugh, gosh, this is a little tough to get through. And I think mainly because of the the whole talking and explaining and all of that, it was just just a lot of information to take in. It was just a lot to try to follow. It was a lot to keep up with, and I just it was just like, all right, I think I'm done with this. Um, so no, I haven't seen all of the first one, but because. I think it's also like a two, almost three hour movie or something like that. Like I have it. I just haven't gone back to finish watching it at any point because one, it's really long and I know it's really dense. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever end up going back to watch it. So that's fair. That's all I got to say about that. But seeing as you were looking forward to talking about Blade Runner 2049 at this point, I'll let you just go ahead and take over. Okay, but like, so the story was really fascinating because I love futuristic stuff. And every single shot was interesting because I love how, it was a really gorgeous movie. Like everything in it was really pretty. Like everything in it, like you could take shots of and then frame it and then it's just that good like everything's filmed really nicely but also too it's really captivating like the story is really captivating right off the bat because it's kind of like it's definitely like a mystery because you're trying to figure out things that like shouldn't have been able to happen and things that were covered up and things like that so I really like those types of stories in general so I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed the whole entire movie all the way up till the end um there was really none of it that like I have any complaints about and that's, like, usually whenever I see movies that, like, I don't plan on seeing, I'm usually like, uh, that was okay. But this one I was really, really impressed with. Everything was so beautiful. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a really well, it was beautifully shot. The visuals are really, really, uh, attractive. Very vibrant, bright colors, and it's, but also, but, like, at the same time, it looked dirty and, like, uh, very cyberpunk. I like that aesthetic. Um, all the tech looked good too. Yeah. All the machines and all the all the vehicles and everything looked good. Yeah, it was very visually pleasing, and that's that's that that the movie has that going for it. Um, a lot of people didn't go see this movie when it came out. It was very overlooked. Um, I don't think it. I don't think the. I don't think it made a bunch of money. I think it. 
think it might I don't know about uh, financial failure but I know it didn't make what they wanted it to make let me see here what is this movie called Blade Runner 2049 let's see here on box office uh, mojo what Blade Runner 2049 did lifetime gross of oh gosh 92 million that's it opening weekend was 32 million dang that's kind of depressing um this movie came out in 2017 let's see oof oof production budget of 150 million it didn't even make its budget back that's sad yeah this movie was financially unsuccessful oh well it didn't make its budget that's the domestic total okay so it made 259 million worldwide on a 150 million dollar budget which it's a sure it's a it's a small profit i guess but it's still for for them to have spent so much on it and only make a 259 million it's uh I wouldn't say that was a, a a major success, but like I said, it did get very overlooked. Um, I didn't read the plot summary for this, but it's basically Blade Runner. A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down the former Blade Runner, Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. <laughs> Han Solo. Is that all that it says? Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm pretty mad about that. I wasn't mad about it before, but I'm mad about it now. Of course you are. What? Oh, yeah, because <laughs> I like this movie, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's fine. This movie has Ryan Gosling, Dave Bautista, Robin Wright, Mark Arnold, Anna, Anna de Armas, Wood Harris, David... Man, I'm not even going to try that last name. Yeah, it's a bunch of people in this movie. Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto. Mackenzie da- Mackenzie Davis is in this movie? It's been a while. I haven't seen this movie in a while. And I only saw it the one time. So I don't remember. Wait. Is Mackenzie Davis the one in that, in that scene? Is she the one that... No. She's not the one. She's not the hooker, right? I need to see what she looks like. That's the one that's in the new Terminator movie. Her hair is short. She was in uh, Tully. You didn't watch Tully. Uh, what else has she been in? That's the one that I showed you. Um, that's the one. Okay, so you just made me remember the couple complaints I have about this movie. is like, there's only three women in it. Obviously, I don't like that. But also, too, one of them, one of them is a hooker. One of them is a... Yeah. That's the hooker. Oh, okay. One of them is... What would you call her? Like a live-in computer-generated AI girlfriend? The AI girlfriend. And then the other one is a really aggressive, cold boss. So, like, that kind of was not fun. But, you know, whatever. There's more women in this There movie. are, because there's Love, who is Jared Leto's assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also really cold and unfeeling and calculating. And then... There's Harrison Ford's daughter. There's Harrison Ford's daughter. She was the only cool girl in the movie. She had a really interesting story. But also, she was, like, basically the most important character in the movie. Even if you didn't know it all the way up till the end. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't remember this movie very well. I've only seen it the one time. Because it is a two-hour and 44-minute movie, and I could be putting my time to something else. Uh, not that it's a bad movie. But it's just like, ugh, I don't have the time to sit down and watch this kind of movie again. But I enjoyed it. You know, it was cool. It was cool. But I, I, I guess I can understand how you wouldn't get everything from it if you hadn't seen the original just because there's so much lore in the Blade Runner universe that 
it, you couldn't possibly get everything from just watching this one. Um, I did like how, I mean, I guess it's kind of spoiling the movie a little bit, but how they made you feel, they made you question whether or not um, Ryan Gosling's character was the chosen one the whole movie or whatever. That was like my favorite part about this movie. Yeah. And then they they kind of uh, flipped the script at the end there, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but then there's that whole argument of is Harrison Ford char- Harrison Ford's character like actually a replicant or what replicant or whatever, and just like, mm, okay, I guess I don't know. I don't have any emotional ties to the franchise, so it's just like I couldn't care one way or the other. Um. I actually don't really have much to say about this movie because it has been so long since I since I've seen it. You you watched it by yourself, so um what else do you have anything else to say about it? Hmm. No, I really think it's something that like people have to watch. I mean, my experience with the movie is going to be different from other people's experience with the movie because like, I mean, my whole thing is visuals and so like that whole movie very much impressed me because you were right about everything like looking grimy and stuff like that but like it really fit like my because I really like comic books like I like futuristic comic books and I like like stuff like in like set like that so like I don't know I just really love that movie it was so great that's really all I have to say about it like I just can't stop thinking about how much I like it yeah, I mean, I would I would recommend watching it. I think it is a good movie, at least once, you know. If you can find two hours and 44 minutes to kind of sit down and watch it, uh, I, I do think it is a pretty good movie. If, you, if that's your sort of thing, like a cyberpunk, futuristic kind of sci-fi, whatever, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, I do think it is a, it, it is a good watch. Um, so, yeah, if you have the time, check it out. But... I guess to kind of wrap this whole thing up in a nice little bun here. Um, so with those four movies and thinking about thinking about Dune, which I don't know if I've ever said, I actually listened to the first book as well. So I'm familiar with the source material. And like I said, when they announced that Denis Villeneuve was going to be adapting the book into a movie. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, he should be he should do a pretty good job with that." Do I remember anything about the book at this point? Nah, not really, cuz that's also a really dense lore-heavy book. And man, they got some gibberish gleep-glop alien names in that book. <laughs> but then they also have some really normal names in that book, which is super funny. The what like Paul, like Paul the one the normal one. name in that book? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you still trying to come up with another normal name, huh? Not really, but also too, um, thinking about Dune and uh adaptations. I just I know it's gonna be better than stuff I mean, I hope it's gonna be better than stuff that's been done before because previous movies and previous T V shows really I don't know what they were going for, but it wasn't good at all so my expectations are a lot higher because of the stuff that i've seen from this director i really hope it's going to be like a lot like arrival and blade runner like i think that that would be like that would do the book justice um yeah i think it's gonna be good dang you were supposed to keep going while i was pulling up denis villeneuve because well i I guess it's fine um because I just saw, when I looked him up earlier, I saw that they're supposed to be doing a Dune TV series. Which, honestly, I think this book would probably be better suited to, like, a, a limited series or something of that nature. Because that's the problem you run into with such a dense, such a dense book There's so much like content. Dune. There's so much there. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to, t- to squeeze that into, like, a even a three-hour movie if he decides to go with three hours there's still a lot of stuff that's going to have to be taken out or changed in some form or fashion uh, in order for everything to kind of stick together. I almost said cohesive because they say that all the time on uh, on the Sandcast. Um, yeah, it's called Dune, 
the sisterhood. It was announced. It says announced in brackets next to it. So is it going to be about the, like... Don't know. That's interesting. I'm interested to see that. Uh, it just says TV series set in the Dune universe, which centers on the lives of the Bene Gesserit. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm really curious about that now. Yeah, I just, I didn't realize that they were supposed to be, it says announced, and I was just like, wow, I didn't, I didn't hear this announcement. (laughs) But But I mean, like, who would, like. People that are in the know, you know. Yeah. But I even follow, like, the Dune subreddit on, and, like, I didn't see anything about it. Hmm. Well, Dune says it's in post-production now, so, well, I guess it's coming out in 2020, so I guess it would be in post-production at this point. Um, well, I get, but Rise of Skywalker's, like in the process of doing reshoots like right now and that movie comes out in December so anyway yeah post-production TV series uh Denis Villeneuve man so what, you, you think he's you think he's got it I think he's got it Singa is pretty much everything that he's done at this point it's been like 2 hours and 45 minutes <laughs> or longer or you know just or just a little bit shorter or whatever it's like i think he can handle a a 245 three hour movie something like that i think it'll be i think it'll be fine oh i'm interested to check it out even though i'm not really gonna remember much of what happens because i don't really remember much of what happens in that book anyway uh yeah, no. Really, not a lot happens in the first book. It definitely more stuff happens in the continue, like in the, in the next few books. Honestly, I could, I I couldn't be bothered to continue that series at all. <laughs> like the first book is like okay, yeah, that was that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. you like the rip off. Whatever. <laughs> it's like all right, that's fine, I guess. But uh, the first movie, I, I mean, the movie would be interesting to to see how they just adapt everything that happens because there's a lot there's just a lot there's so much that needs to be put into a three-hour movie yeah and like the thing the thing that i'm thinking about is you you might run into that problem that always happens with book adaptations it's like you may not get the full story in the movie it's like you'll have that argument that well you'd have to read the book in order to understand what this means and that's always that's a lot of times that's that has a neg that that works negatively in the favor of movies like it chapter two for instance a lot of stuff that happened in that movie is like because i oh my god i made it through that book and oh there's a lot of stuff in that book like a lot of stuff in that book that you just they don't even touch in those movies at all so the stuff that they changed in the movie is just like okay i guess i can understand why they changed that that doesn't make this really this doesn't make this better but i can understand why they changed it or why they didn't add it or it's like huh why did they change that why didn't they put that in there that that sort of thing so that's the problem you face with these big thick dictionary size books <laughs> of all this material and then you try to condense that all into a two and a half uh, three-hour movie, uh, you're gonna run into some problems, and you're gonna run into people that have the source material, and they go into the movie, and they, you know, they're able to link things and put things together that people that don't have the source material go into the movie and don't understand things. But I feel like Dune is such a not cult, but it's like I feel like you have to be into Dune to even be interested to go see a Dune movie. Because I don't see it as... Because it's so sci-fi that I don't see it as something that just your average moviegoer would be like, oh, yeah, that Dune movie looks interesting, you know? I know, but, like, some people started watching Star Wars after not having seen the, like, the previous two trilogies. But you have lightsabers in Star Wars. Which I guess is okay. That's cool. Whatever. But I was going to say, um, condensing movies, I think that, you know, Blade Runner even though it probably didn't have a lot of stuff that should have been in there. I think it had enough in there for it to be a good movie. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just thinking about that. I think that if it's done like Blade Runner is done, even though there's a lot of stuff that they're not going to be able to put in there, put in there it's going to be executed well. Yeah. I, I think it'll do a good enough job with it, seeing as there's so much for him to work with. It's just condensing everything down into a easily consumable story, a consistent, cohesive story that people can understand and enjoy by the end of the movie is a big uh, big task to take on but I think he's got it I mean they're in post-production and the cast they've got behind it I feel like it'll be I feel like it'll be pretty good so we have we have that coming out next year so I guess we'll see guess we'll see uh, what he's what he's got going on with that but with that do you have uh any other thoughts do you want to toss in the hat there before we get out of here not really all right <laughs> well that's it we did a podcast how does it feel are you asking me or the audience the audience didn't just do a <laughs> podcast pretty good about it all right well i hope you enjoyed yet another episode of taylor made I'm not sure what the uh, what the next episode will cover yet. I'll figure it out. I don't know. But until then, if you would like to follow us on social media, I I am at is it Roddencast and Taylor is at awkward zero w one on both platforms, Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can tune in Wednesday for the regular podcast where I'll actually talk about the Equalizer two, which is what was supposed to come out this week, but I just uh hadn't gotten around to it yet but i've i've got that in the got that in the bag and it will be out next week uh until then have a great week and may the force be with you joining me as always for this these things here is taylor hello put your phone on silent sorry cat now I gotta start over. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Shh. We're working here. I don't care. I don't care. I asked you to be quiet. I don't. I can't have this conversation right now. Thank you. No! I don't care. I am working. need you to be quiet. Don't give me that look. Thank you. Sometimes watch movies. I'm listening. Callie, you are being very rude. You are not the center of attention. Calm down. Should we get her own mic? She's acting like she wants her own mic. Callie! You are being extremely rude. I don't care. You have all your toys right there. I suppose. I s- Hey. Just, just a little bit longer, okay? 